You are now tuned in to the Addicted to Success.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next level game changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on Addicted to Success.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Now, today I am with. Kevin Harrington, who was featured on Shark Tank. He's had over 2,000 plays now of uh, the series Shark Tank that have aired all over the world. Uh, Kevin is one of the pioneers of infomercials. Uh, Kevin has launched over 20 businesses that have grown to over $100 million in sales each. And he's launched over 500 products worldwide, generating over $5 billion in sales. Kevin, that is absolutely amazing, mate. That's a huge success. Thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you. Hey, you bet, Joel. It's a, a pleasure to be here. Heard, heard a lot about all the things that you're up to also. So thanks for, for that introduction. Appreciate it. No, thank you. Thanks for your time. And um, I'm excited to go into this conversation with you because I remember watching Shark Tank quite a while back. It would have been a few years back, maybe two years back, actually. And I remember seeing some episodes you were on. And I love the advice that you gave in. I think uh, a lot of entrepreneurs nowadays need this. They need to hear the kind of inside advice and uh, how to approach investors and what really matters when you're presenting your business idea. And so what do you feel as an investor is really that thing that you're, you're looking for? Just an average, like if it could be one or two things, but really what are the standout things that you're looking for when somebody comes to you with a business idea or a pitch? So the, the first thing that I look for, I, I want to... First of all, I want to make sure that the person pitching me is qualified. I, I always, you know, do the initial. You, you know, you got to do the old ten-second look at the person doing the pitch, right? What, what, you know, how confident are they? What do they look like? Are, are they uh, presenting in a powerful, uh, passionate um, fashion? You know, did you know? I want to know that they believe the words that they're going to be delivering. Okay. You know, because it's, you know, too many people that someone's written them a script or, you know, whatever. Um, I want to know that they're the real deal. Now, uh, that's the first thing I look for. Now, once they start pitching, I look for certain things and, you know, I talk about, you know, the elements of a perfect pitch and, you know, because I've taken thousands and tens of thousands of pitches over the years. So I've, developed a way to quickly, you know, dissect their pitch. And the other day I was at a pitch contest where we were going to pick one winner. And one of the guys got up and they were giving them eight minutes to pitch. And it took him seven minutes to even mention what his product was. So I had to blast him and say, look, if you're going to get up and take the time, seven, eight minutes of all these valuable people's time, you should you know, learn how to deliver at least a reasonably successful pitch. And you, you can't wait seven minutes, tell all this background information and, and then get into, you know, here's my product, right? Cause you know, you lost us. Right. So I, there's a, I, I like to see people deliver in sort of a problem solution kind of a format. Um, understand that when, that whether it, you know, I'm, I'm a professional uh, person hearing these pitches because I do it for a living, but most people aren't. So uh, if, if you don't get their attention, if you don't have, you know, the right sequencing, if you don't start with a problem, 
uh, get their attention, then go to solving the problem, giving um, you know uh, magical transformations along the way, would support it with te- testimonials and documentation, and you know maybe a little bit of competitive analysis. Uh, then you're, you're probably not going to land very well with whatever you're looking for, especially if you're looking for money. Okay, so <laughs> um, you know I, I may have said that a little bit fast, but let me just restate it if, if it's okay, Joel. So start with a problem, tease some kind of a tease. So tease with an attention-getting problem. Now solve the problem with demonstrations, magical transformations, and testimonials competitive analysis, and then sees at the end, I want to, I want to hear some kind of an irresistible offer at the end. So that, that's how you close. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. So have you ever, I mean, I know that, that these are the things you look for, but have you ever made a decision based off somebody's attitude alone? Like someone that steps into the room with just so much certainty and so much belief in this idea. And you just, you just love their attitude, but you're like, I want to work with them a little bit on developing their, their business plan. Have you ever made that decision before? Not recently. And, and the reason being is this, I, I, I say I used to get caught up with the, the entrepreneur, uh, themselves, whether it's male or female. And, and, and I don't know if you ever heard this term, uh, bet on the jockey, mm. you know, that a lot of people bet on the jockey, right. And that's, you know, like the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur is the jockey, you know, that, you know, so I don't, I don't, I actually have learned now the hard way. I don't just bet on the jockey or the entrepreneur anymore because I've been let down too many times. And I'll give you a good example because so somebody comes in, they, they, they've got all the passion. They've got everything that I just said to you that I look for. Right. But that's the opening part. What I also want to know is that they, they are going to surround themselves with a good team to help them execute because I've seen too many really gung-ho entrepreneurs take something and drive it into the ground because they weren't able to, um, you know, to really execute properly. And they, you know, maybe they had a certain skill set, but they didn't have finance or operations and they didn't surround themselves with, with enough of, of an expertise, uh, to help bring the right people to the table. So, um, so I think at, at the end of the day, I, I like to think that that is probably the most important thing is the person making the pitch and their passion and their belief and their confidence. And, and I think that that probably weighs very heavily, but any more today, I want to make sure because, you know, look, it, this is business, it's money, it's finance, right? So somebody comes in, they want a half a million dollars. Um, I don't want to just write the check unless I know that they've got the right structure, the right team, the right people, the right backup, and the right expertise behind them to assist them in executing because I've seen entrepreneurs run through the money real quick and say, well, you know, sorry, we just didn't make it. And then, you know, they're on to the next one. So so I, I want to make sure we surround that entrepreneur that's full of passion with the right kind of counterbalances to make sure that we've got a, a, a team that can execute. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point, Kevin. You know, I remember uh, Tony Robbins sharing some advice with me and he said that your business will eat as much money as you throw at it. <laughs> and yeah, so that's, exactly. that's why you got to be smart about what you're spending, right? And I guess you got to look at that too, right? Exactly. And if you give somebody, I mean, this is why one of the things we talk about 
one of the big questions we would always ask on Shark Tank, uh, what's the use of proceeds? And someone would say, what is that? What's the use of proceeds? Use of proceeds is if I write you the check, where are you going to spend the money? So I want to know, and that then gets locked into a, a business plan and a marketing plan. And so just to give you an idea, um, one time somebody came on, uh, they wanted a quarter of a million dollars to, to launch their business. And so I said, okay, what are you going to use? The, what's the use of proceeds? What are you going to use the money for? Well, I'm going to buy a building. And so I need to put a down payment on the building. And then I'm going to buy uh, real, you know, some office furniture and a copy machine and printers and all this stuff. And, you know, that's what I need to quarter million dollars for. And I said, so that's, you've now spent the whole 250,000, right? Is that, that's the, the money is, is now invested. Uh, yeah, that's it. I said, well, you know, I'm not going to do this deal. Uh, there's no way I'm out. And why? Because what, what are you going to do about a marketing plan? What are you going to do about a little rainy day fund? What, you know, what you, do you have, you know, you've, you focused on getting the, the physical side of the business launched, but where are the sales coming from? You you need, you know, there's no budget there for, for, for marketing, for, you know, whatever, right. A launch party, uh, for public relations, for advertising. Right. So, you know, here's somebody that is, you know, when you start talking about use of proceeds, you can tell pretty quickly that they really haven't thought out how are they going to really launch this business. So I want to know, and that this is where a gung-ho entrepreneur, it's like, oh, all I need, get me the building and get me the physical uh, desks and, and everything, and I'll just go out and, and kick this thing off. But then a good operations finance guy is going to make you think through all the other aspects of, of launching the business from the, the cost of hiring and the cost of weathering the, the opening months of cash flow. Because the cash flow starts, you know, doesn't just come out of the box, you know, uh, you know it, it builds, right? So anyway, make a long story short, I think it's, you, you need a well-rounded group that, is going to be thinking through the processes of bringing uh, a business to success. Yeah, great advice, Kevin. Thank you. You know, I think it's uh, we're in a we're in a day and age right now where it's kind of cool to have your own startup. And you see people like you know Google and Airbnb and a lot of these like fresh startups. They've got these funky office spaces. I think a lot of people are spending a lot of money on trying to pimp out their office space, not really knowing that that's not what you got to do. You got to get into a space where you can have the profits coming in first and foremost. Then you deck it all out later, right? Yeah, I, I went to a, an office one time. A, a guy had he had there was about five employees in the company, which was fine because that's all he needed. But he had like 7,000 square feet of space and he had a ping pong table and he had a, a <laughs> ski ball machine, mach you know, uh, uh, you know, this kind of machine, you know, like it was like, he just knew these big successful companies, you know, out in Silicon Valley have these kind of some of these little ways to relief, relieve themselves at, uh, of all the high pressure and everything. And it's like, I, I, I got to have all of this. Right. But he had to pay for the, and he was in this very expensive office building. So it wasn't like it was just some warehouse space that it was no big deal. Right. He was paying huge money to have that, um, um, uh, ping pong table, et cetera, et cetera. It was just, totally sent me off the deep end when I looked at what he was spending for all the rent and everything. And I'm like, wow, this guy has really no clue what he's, what he's doing. So you just, these are things that people get caught up in and you know, you don't need a ping pong table until you, until you, you become uh, Facebook, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Great point. Great point. You know, and another thing yeah. as well that I notice, I don't know if you see this too, is like a lot of people are really uh, celebrating like, oh, we just got millions of dollars in investment, but not, not really knowing that that's like, this is just the beginning. It's like, what are you going to do with that money? And this seems to be the culture now, especially in you know, Silicon Valley and the startup space. A lot of people are really celebrating the big money that's not theirs. And now it's like, well, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, God bless it. If they got the money, that's, that's you know, it's tougher and tougher today to even raise that capital, right? But, um, you know, it, you know, I think it, it, it's important that you go through the numbers because if you're going to raise capital, you, you know, if you're going to go and, and use the capital, you need to stick to a, the plan, and the plan is already written in stone as to what your burn is going to be on a monthly basis, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there, you know, there, there are some variances, obviously, that come into play here and there. But, you know, nobody wants to give an entrepreneur $5 million and, and they say it's going to last for 18 months and then have them come back six or eight months later and say, well, that $5 million has gone and I need more money. Um, and if, you know, if they haven't, you know, shown some amazing, um, you know, change in, in income projection or something like that. It's not easy to talk investors into that second round if, if, the, if the money wasn't used properly on the first round. Yeah, you raise a great point. Thanks for sharing these insights, Kevin. I really, uh, I'm really enjoying this conversation because I feel like these points are really uh, crucial, especially for anybody that's starting out that has like a, a business plan in place and they want to go to investors. What do you feel is the biggest mistake that you made when you first started out, when you first started investing in businesses and started in, in the on your journey of entrepreneurship? I, I would say uh, something along the lines of what I'm mentioning here in that when I, I was a young, cocky entrepreneur that thought I could pretty much do it all myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, like when I first started, I had $25,000. I didn't have a lot of capital. And I said, you know, I'm going to build this business and Oh, after I'm successful, I'll be able to raise money. No problem. Right. I'm just sort of like, just assuming that I'm going to build a successful company. People will be throwing money at me, but it's not the case. You really have to, in a very significant fashion, have a plan that that is is going to be raising capital. So, um, so it's important that you have you know you're not just you know sitting there on your haunches thinking, oh wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna be so successful, I'll have no problem. I, I ended up uh, running out of capital and needing to really bring in some experts. So I hired a, a former bank president to join my company, and he knew how to raise money. And he's like, you know, we got to do this, 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 and this, and you got to prepare your, your, your business for capital uh, raises. So for example, I had like, he, he walked in my office and he said, where's, where's your contract file? And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, well, you got all these different deals you're doing with, with inventors and with producers, you know, cause when, when we produce an infomercial, you've got a, a writer, a producer, a director, you've got talent, you've got the host, you've got the co-host, you've got the inventor, you've got all these require contracts, right? So, you know, and if you, we had 30 products on the air, eight or 10 contracts per deal, that's 300 
plus contracts. Well, they were these contracts were all over the place. And he's like, no, all the contracts go in one file. When a bank comes in because they're going to loan you money, they're going to want to see. Let me see every single contract you have. They want to know that you're buttoned up, that there's no contingent liabilities out there in the way of possible lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, so we didn't even go ask for money until we took 90 days to get ourselves ready to go ask for money. And then we did. And then we raised three million bucks. And, you know, that was, you know, a well needed round of capital. But that took us that gave us enough capital to go to one hundred million dollars in sales. So, um, you know, so the bottom line is, I think that, um, you know, be prepared to get some cool, creative uh, experts, join your team. And and that way. Uh, you're not doing it all yourself. And, and I don't think an entrepreneur is supposed to know every single aspect of running the business. It, you, you, need to, you need to have some people that have been there and done, uh, done that before in, in, in other parts of the company. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the underlying lessons here that you're mentioning are really uh, ignorance isn't always bliss, right? <laughs> and I right. guess the, the second thing is like, you know, if you don't have a strength in a certain area, find someone that does. Absolutely. And, um, and so I think that's one of the, one of the things I learned early on. So, I mean, just to give you an example, I, I I was launching a beauty business and, um, I don't have a lot of experience in beauty. Uh, I do a lot of gadgets. Um, I do fitness products and kitchen products. So when I went to launch this beauty business, uh, we were signing a deal with Kathy Ireland, the famous, uh, model Kathy Ireland. So, um, bottom line is, um, I, I wanted to get a beauty expert on my team. So I brought a beauty expert on that had run the company called L'Oreal. L'Oreal is a $5 billion company out of Israel uh, with 5,000 employees. And this person was the president of L'Oreal for 10 years. So he became a consultant to the company and then actually joined the company as president and COO. So um, he had tremendous experience and knowledge of the beauty field and he became a tremendous asset to our beauty business and we actually were able to use his resume to go out and raise capital for this new company we were starting so you know bringing in the experts is not only about you know having good people to help you run the company but it also uh, is is about getting you um you know the right kind of capital the right kind of future growth and you know helping you weather the storm as you as you grow your entrepreneurial business uh in in many ways yeah excellent points kevin thank you thank you so what would you say uh entrepreneurship means to you or what does entrepreneurship mean to you entrepreneurship means it's that you wake up in the morning and you're you're running the show. You're the boss. Uh, you can pretty much you can do whatever you want. Um, you can uh, uh, it's you know you you can go to work. You can work from home. You can work from your phone. You can you know uh, you are the the chief cook and bottle washer, as I say. Okay, so um, you know it. The buck stops with you, and so it's it's controlling your future by setting your own pace with your own direction and your own plan. And so uh, I think this is an area that some entrepreneurs aren't as qualified in as others, but um, uh, you know, the, the, more, um, uh, the, the more I get you know, building businesses the way I do, 
um, I, 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 I tend to, um, to be more of a, uh, of a, of a long-term thinker and somebody that utilizes, um, utilizes many different uh, business building techniques to build my business. So I um, want to have some experts in, in, in the arena with me, so to speak, right? So control my destiny, and that, that really is, is what, what, it, what an entrepreneur means to me. Yeah, that is a great answer. Kevin, we focus a lot on values at Addicted to Success. What would you say are your top three values in life? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I have, uh, I have a great family. Um, I think family is, you know, I, um, I, I have a beautiful wife and a couple of kids. So I, I think family is, is very important. And, uh, you know, at, at, at this stage in my life, I'm going to be 60 this year. I work very hard and um, I've got my, my, my sons uh, in, involved. My 27-year-old has been with me six years. My 18-year-old will be, um, um, will be um, uh, joining at some point, I think. Um, so, um, you know, but I, I focus on, on family. I focus then on building uh, a, an honest business. And, and I think, you know, I'm in a, um, uh, I'm in a business full of, uh, I'll say some pretty sharky type people. Okay. <laughs> um, the, 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 you know, the world of as seen on TV is, it is a lot of knockoff guys, guys that copy, they steal, uh, they, you know, it's, it's all kinds of, you know, really bad folks in a, in a, in a nasty business. Right. And I pride myself on, on not being part of that club, you know, so, um, I'm an innovator. Um, uh, I'm, I always, um, you know, I come out at the front of the pack. Um, my products are, uh, are usually groundbreaking and, and, and new and exciting as opposed to, I saw something and I can do the same thing, um, you know, and, and knock somebody off. Right. There's, there's guys in our world that do knock off and I, that's, that's not my kind of reputation. So, so I think, um, innovation is, 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 is key. Uh, in my world, and I think integrity. So, you know, I think just, you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, family, uh, innovation, integrity, I think, I think, I think you asked for three things. Um, so yeah. I, I hope I answered that correctly, but um, uh, I, can, it, I can give you more expand on it. But those, those are a couple of the things that I, that I look for on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, I, I love that. Like three very important things that, uh, allows you to come from a place of heart and compassion because the integrity is huge especially in business we need that we need people here that are by their word that are not just in it for themselves and really i feel like this is a new model of success it's contribution it's collaboration it's giving back it's making a difference and i love that you said that you uh pride yourself on being an innovator right because this is the thing like we're all creators but not a lot of people know that and so you know that you're very self-aware that you're somebody that can create something that's original and it doesn't matter if somebody goes and steals those things from you because you can just go and create again you can go and innovate and push to the curve and that's such a great gift that you have already and you're bringing that to the world so congratulations yes well thank you very much i appreciate it yeah it's very important to me to to be it i like to be at the front and uh sometimes pioneers uh get a little bloodied uh, from having to cut the trees and the and 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 all the the dense uh, forest down but um you know it it's the, it, if, if you're first in and first to the market 
that's that's where the big rewards are. Mm. Would you say that's like one of the most important things is to just act with urgency and the timing, just like getting on the curve before everybody else. Is that pretty important? I'll, I'll say this. As an investor, it's riskier. So I don't necessarily ask people to invest with me in in these upfront kind of let's jump fast and, and be the, the pioneer. But um, I, I prefer as an investor to get in when it's a little bit safer um, and more proven. But um, I think I think that um, um, as it as an entrepreneur, I like to be first in, and I and I like to um, you know to to have the you know I have a philosophy that um, that you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed, but I like to fail fast and fail cheap, so that I can move on to the the big winners. So if 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 I know I'm going to fail two out of three times, I just try to get past those losers. And, and lose as little as possible and get to the winner that's going to be a big one. And, and I, you know, I don't mind losing $100,000 on a project and then $100,000 on the next project if the next one is going to make $10 million. So, um, you know, so it's, it's in, and I'm in an industry where those, those are, you know, realistic numbers. So, so I, I want to be able to get the, the small ones out of the way and, and, and get to the big ones and, and be at the front of the curve because if I'm going to be at the front of the curve on all three of those examples, um, you know, I lose a little bit here, lose a little there, but then I, you know, make it, uh, you know, a huge home run. Um, that's, you know, you, you, it's those big home runs that, that, that build the, the huge businesses for, for many people. So that's why I like, I like to, I like to take those risks, but I don't, I don't necessarily ask other investors to come along with me in those risks. I'll, a lot of times that's where we're an entrepreneur like myself. I'll keep hundred percent ownership of something until I prove it out. Then I'll bring investors in. If I need, you know, to think about the big long term. if I need to raise 20, 30, 50 million or something, I don't have to write every check, but I've proven it out now. So it's a little safer investment now. I see. I see. So it's more calculated risks, right? I think Richard Branson's really huge on that too. He, he, he'll go yeah. in and like kind of negotiate a deal where he can minimize as much risk as possible. Like I think he did that with Boeing where he just went in and said, if I don't make this much in the first year, you can have your, your jets back. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, so you've got it, man. You've got it. And that's why you've done so well. I feel like um, you've made some really great decisions. So what would you say is the most uh, powerful advice that you've received from a mentor or a peer in your lifetime? Something that really sat with you. Mm, well, <laughs> the I'll say this. I think um, a lot of people waste a lot of time every day. So I think um, they, I've gotten a lot of great advice. But I think you know, t- t- time management and and organizing your life is is important. And so I think that um, I, I I used to you know, kind of just take things as they came as an entrepreneur instead of planning them out. And so on a, from a day-to-day standpoint, I would deal with, you know, what was coming in and handle it properly and, and build my business. And so uh, it's funny because with, without naming names, I had a, had a partner in, in one business that he was very good at reacting to what would, would come along and, and dealing with it and, and, and handling it. But 
he couldn't, if, if he had to plan for the future, he had no ability to do that. So, so I, I focus myself in an area of, you know, like every year, you know, it's kind of these new year's resolutions and stuff. I, I put a plan together. It's something that takes, uh, you know, it takes the, the ability to know where your shortfalls are so you can plan uh, accordingly and uh, making things happen. Yeah, that is great. So it's like intentional living, like living with the intention of doing what you need to do to live a fulfilling life instead of just floating through life unconsciously. Yeah, and I mean, I, let's put it this way. If, if, if I just kept moving along, I would like never take a vacation. Okay. So I have to like, I got to like say, okay, I, when, when am I going to do this? And when am I going to do that? Because every day it's, there's just so many things coming at me that I could, you know, do another, this, do another deal, do another product. But I say, you know what, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pace myself and turn things down. And, and this is sort of gets back to, to this, uh, this intelligent thing that, uh, I was given by a mentor is look at, if you look at your day from the standpoint of, as you, as you go through each, um, almost minute of the day, how do you spend your minutes? Well, I, I, I look at it as, you know, I, I'll give you a comparison. I just put a new product on Home Shopping Network today. And so HSN analyzes what they're going to run tomorrow based on how did the dollars per minute of the products go today. So to explain that, if they give you 10 minutes on air today and they expect you to do $2,000 a minute, they want to see 20000 in sales after 10 minutes. If you did 10000 in sales, you did 1000 a minute, they're not happy. If you did 30,000 in sales, 3,000 a minute, they're very happy. So they reschedule their next day based on what sold yesterday at the highest dollars per minute. Okay. So it, so, so that is very entrepreneurial thinking. Let's, let's, if I have in an hour, I want to maximize the sales per hour. So you have to maximize what's selling by the minute at the highest level. So an entrepreneur should be thinking in a similar fashion in his business day is I've got three things I can do in the next hour. What, which of these three things is going to generate the highest profit potential for the amount of time that I spend on it. And that's what I should focus on first. So, you know, if you focus on some people waste half their day on things that may not have any revenue generation. And by the end of the day, they like, they think they worked a full day, but they're not generating any real cash or revenues. So, you know, I always then say, you know, you got to do a dollar per minute analysis of your life and understand, I mean, look, you're not making money when you're taking a vacation, but that's part of life and you got to budget for that. Right. But on, on your business side, you, you need to analyze your day to day, a business so that you don't waste time on things that don't make sense yeah yeah oh kevin these are so many uh there's so many important points that you've shared with us today and i actually can't wait to to listen back to the interview and crunch them all down and put them into the show notes because i feel like this is just golden advice that that could save so many entrepreneurs years uh you know so that they can kind of shortcut their way to success because if they have the wisdom now that you've shared with them. So thank you so much for doing that. Hey, um, if if, there's, if yeah. there's anything that you could change in the way that you did business, maybe back in the day, I mean, I know you've been in the game for like over 40 years now. 
which is a long time. It's four decades. It's like yeah. as long as Tony Robbins and all these other uh, greats in the industry. So you've hung in there and you've I'm made get, it happen. I'm an old man. <laughs> an old man. <laughs> hey, you're only as old as you feel, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I've heard that one. Yeah, that's right. I so, love it. So if you could kind of like look back at it all, was there anything that you did for maybe a bit too long that now you know because you are a lot wiser uh, and more experienced, what would it be that you wouldn't do anymore or you would advise other people to like, hey, don't do that because that's like, that's going to hold you back? That's a great question. I think um, a couple couple mistakes I made. I stayed in a couple of industries too long and um, I was in in a business that I loved and, and, and I say it was a curiosity uh, overload factor for me when I was, I was, it was in a business brokerage. I sold companies and businesses on commission, but it took 90 days to 180 days to get a commission. So I'd have to put 90 days to 120 days into a project and then, you know, half the time, not even get a commission and to sell the, the, the business, a flower shop, a restaurant, a delicatessen, a car wash, whatever it might've been. Right. So, um, so, so it, I was making an income and I was being exposed to a lot of cool things, but it was an industry that just didn't have the upside that I wanted. And so I finally decided to move on. And so I think there's points, and this is where mentors can help. You kind of get stuck. Um, I also, when I was in college, I started a heating and air conditioning business, and that's a whole other story, but it was very labor intensive, and I was a great salesman, but I couldn't get good labor guys to install the furnaces and stuff. So um, it ended up being a business that I really didn't even enjoy being in. So, so I would say you know, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, look, you know, you got to look elsewhere because life's too short to go in every single day and not really love what you do. And, and then if you're stuck in a, in a, in a business that's not making the kind of money or the kind of freedom that you need or whatever, um, you gotta, you gotta change. And, you know, so I always, I always say, don't be afraid to talk to a coach or a mentor or somebody that can help you get unstuck, so to speak. Right. Because, entrepreneurs tend to, you know, they, they, they're motivated, they've got their pitch, they've got their story and they're going down that path. And that was me, you know, 30 years ago. And, and boy, you know, I got, you know, three, four, five years into a, into a, a an industry that I finally realized, let's take a, if, if I could go up above it and look down at myself, do I really want to do this the rest of my life? And is this going to make me happy forever and long-term? And, you know, or is this something I should just do part-time and have another revenue stream? So, you know, my father was always a, a mentor that was like, don't always have all your eggs in one basket. Um, try to have multiple streams of income. Uh, and so I think this is, you know, kind of along these lines that, you know, this is why I like the business I'm in. I, I have, you know, I have probably 15 different streams of income now. And, um, and so at any one time, um, you know, I, I, I have a chance to, to move from, from place to place and, and participate in, and this is, this is actually what makes me happy is the ability to oversee, a, you know, that kind of a situation and not have to, you know, you know, be financially free to where you don't have to worry about your next dime, where it's coming from, et cetera. So, you know, I think that's, 
that's a, a critical thing is, you know, a lot of people, they talk about it, you know, what would you invest in and stuff? But yeah, I, I do invest, but you, you got to remember, you got to make the money first before you can invest. Right. So, uh, you know, so I think it's, you know, it's important that, you know, um, you can't just be, you know, when you can't just be an investor, you, you got to go out and make uh, a lot of money. So where, where, where's a good place to focus your time and energy that you enjoy that gives you a, a good revenue stream and make, make sure that at the end of the day, it's got that, you know, grand potential that is going to make you happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I hear what you're saying. And when you were talking about the businesses that you were running and, and where you felt stuck, it makes sense now because you shared your values before. And I feel like you do well when you tie it to your values. So if your values are tied to your business, it's, you know, you create a, a business where you're able to innovate, uh, you know, where you've got, uh, it gives you freedom to be able to then like spend time with your family, then you're winning, right? You're winning. It's not all about the money. Uh, it's about putting yourself in a place where you can live through your values. And that's kind of like where your purpose lies. You feel like there's a lot more energy around it because you love what you're doing. And this is the thing too, is um, a lot of people don't understand the idea of like, do what's fun. Like you have to work hard as well. But what's more important than just working hard is actually having fun. Like if you're not having fun in it, why do it, right? Exactly. That's what I say. It, it, it you know, there, it, it, I guess some people can figure, well, if I'm making a ton of money, but I don't love what I'm doing, I'll do that for a while. And that may be one alternative for, for, for an entrepreneur. But, um, I would say that ultimately, um, you're going to burn out in that kind of situation. So, um, make the money, go ahead and do it, but, uh, be looking long-term for that exit of that venture to one that's going to make you a lot of money and something that you're going to enjoy a lot more. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's one of my mantras, uh, is, is definitely, uh, enjoying what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Otherwise life's too short. If, if, if you're not enjoying it, you know, it's just not, uh, it's just not, not worth it, you know? So, um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, was, uh, I can't remember where I read this. It was in a book somewhere and it was a really great, uh, great lesson. And really what it, what it said was that if you want to find your purpose, it should be in the intersect, right, of what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and also what is a solution that you're delivering to the world. And that's really the purpose right there, right in the middle. So, yeah. 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 And it ties that makes, back into it makes a lot of saying. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a so go, go find that book. There may be some other good things in there. <laughs> that, was that was a good one. I've read yeah, so many books. I, like I can't remember where I, where I read it. I could probably Google it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, Kevin. Well, on, we're on the topic of books. What are some books that you feel are really stand out for you? What is, a, what is a book that's changed the game for you? This one, I, you know, remember how old I am. You know, I, I bought um, The Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, way back, that was you know one of my one of my favorites, and it actually was definitely uh, a game changer for me. It's it it, it I, I just remember I, I was in my teens at the time, and it was so motivating for me. It just charged me up and 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 just you know made total sense uh, you know for for my way of thinking, and so. Um, yeah, I, I, I love, um, I love motivational books. I love listening to motivational, uh, speakers. Um, uh, a friend of mine, actually, he is the, um, the owner of success magazine and, um, he, he has a lot of, uh, thought leaders, you know, the kind of 
you know, some of the older guys, um, you know, from the old days, um, um, that, that, uh, that, you know, that used to, 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 um, motivate, you know, in the old days, some of the, the, some of the names from the old days, the Zig Ziglar's in sales training and Mark Hopkins and guys like that. But, you know, then I started reading books like Harvey McKay and, you know, Harvey McKay, um, you know, uh, he wrote a book. Um, I, I, I'm trying to remember the name. It had the word shark in it, but uh, uh, something about uh, shark filled waters or something. Uh, um, uh, you, you remember that book? Um, do you know who Harvey is? He's he's a, a pretty prolific author. No, um, no, but it's a coincidence, uh, right? Yeah. That then you're on Shark Tank as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Book and, and, you and then and Harvey, put, you know, he um, Harvey uh, signed my last book that I wrote. So. Um, so yeah, the, um, I, I love, um, I, I, I love business books and, um, you know, I love, um, I used to, I also read a lot of magazines, trade journals, um, a lot of newspapers. I'm, I'm a, a very uh, avid reader, but Forbes magazine, I met, um, Malcolm Forbes, uh, about two weeks before he passed away. And, um, if you, if you ever get a chance to read, Forbes on a rate. I read it on a, every single month now and have for years, but Forbes has a lot of quotes at the end of, of, of the magazine. A lot of them are Malcolm has accumulated a bunch and they still have a lot of quotes from Malcolm who's who he passed away dozens, a couple dozen years ago. And now it's Steve Forbes, um, that's been running Forbes magazine. But I, I like, um, you know, big thinking and, you know, uh, the Forbes, uh, way of life, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high level, you know, kind of, kind of like how Tony Robbins approaches finance. And by the way, Tony sent me his last book. Um, you know, and again, I'm terrible with, with, uh, well, money with the names of the, the books. Yeah. It's money master. Yes. Yeah. M money master. So I got a, a galley copy. He wanted me to give him a testimonial. So, um, so I, I got, it's funny cause you know, I have a lot of books and a lot of books signed by the authors and stuff, but I love when you get a book before it's ever even published and, um, signed by the author to be coming out. Right. So that, that was a, a special, uh, a special one. Cause Tony said, Hey, I've got, um, president Clinton and, and Bush and this and that, and all these famous Mark Burnett and all these famous people that are giving me tests, Oprah Winfrey and Kevin, I'd like to get a testimonial from you. Here's the, the, the galley uh, version. So, uh, wow, see what yes. you think. So, so that was, that was a special moment. Tony's a, is, is an unbelievable, uh, success story. And, um, there's not, not many people that have done it, uh, to the tune of, of his success. Uh, you know, I, I, my hat's off to, to, to guys like Tony Robbins for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's a huge inspiration, and so are you too. Just the, the fact that you've been able to grow, you know, over a hundred million dollars in sales with twenty different businesses—that's uh, that's a massive feat. So, congrats on that. That's hey, you're a huge inspiration. Thank you, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I've, I've, you know, along the way for every one of that that did that, there was two or three that 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 didn't even succeed. So, you know, I say Winston Churchill said it best that success is being able to go from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. And so I think that that's, um, that's, that's a, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get all upset when I don't succeed. You know, I, 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 I focus on, uh, on the future and finding the winners and, and, and move on. That's part of life. You gotta, you gotta be able to get up, dust yourself off and, and move on to the winners. That's for sure. And I feel like this is the most important part of the interview. 
part of this conversation was that what you said just then, because we were focusing on the success, but you were like, for every one, I had two failures. I love that you outlined that because now it gives people permission to, to be okay with the, the idea of failing, knowing that they will have a success at some point in their life if they keep pushing on, if they're persistent. And so thank you for sharing that. That is awesome. Fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great to be here today. I know you got a lot of a lot of cool listeners that are looking for some advice. And, um, you know, hopefully we're, we're sharing some good stuff today. Oh, we are for sure. For sure. So we're about to wrap up. I just uh, have two quick questions for you. So the first one is, how can we find you? Where are you online? And like, are there any books out there that we can purchase to go deeper with your advice and your story? Yeah, so um, I'm on, um, you know, I'm on um, the social media, you know, from LinkedIn to Facebook, uh, just, you know, go in, you'll find me there real easily, um, the original Kevin Harrington type thing. Uh, but I, I, my, my email address is, is a great way for people to connect. Um, it's Kevin at KevinHarrington.tv. And that is, um, it, it comes straight to me, um, you know, for, for any, anybody that uh, is part of your, uh, your team, Joel, I want to make sure that uh, they, they, they can come right in. I, I, I've got, um, um, you know, um, I, I fly so much that I get a chance. People say, do you really get to all your emails? And, you know, uh, some days it's five, 600 uh, emails back and forth and in and out and whatever. But yeah, I do because I, it's, it's, I like to communicate and, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty timely at it. So uh, Kevin at KevinHarrington.tv. And, um, and, and, and I got two books, um, both of them, um, uh, you know, in the last uh, num- you know, couple of years, one of them just came out here in the last uh, six months. It's an international bestseller now on, on Amazon, at least. So uh, moving up the charts in, in other areas, too. But my, 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 my uh, uh, book that came out um, uh, a few years back was called Act Now, How I Turn Ideas into Million Dollar Products. And that was, um, you know, kind of biographical and in, in nature and talked about uh, the early days as an entrepreneur and growing up uh, with the, my father as a mentor and then building a lot of businesses and, you know, from scratch. And then my, my latest book, which is really just taken off like wildfire recently, is called uh, How to Become a Keep a key person of influence, how to become a key person of influence. And that's is, you know, kind of like raising your profile to become an expert in your industry. Um, You know, let's put it this way. I don't care what business you're in, if you're in real estate or whatever, how do you get the, 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 the big phone call, the big listing, the hot deal, right? Well, in every industry, there's key people. There's movers and shakers. So what is it that makes their phone ring? And actually, what is it? You know, when I got the phone call from Mark Burnett to go on Shark Tank, he said, "You, I called you because you were one of those key per- people of influence in your industry. So so I think this is, you know, what prompted me to get involved in this book, uh, becoming a, a KPI, so to speak, is, you know, a, ke- a key person of influence. And so that book has, has been uh, been very successful. You know, get them both on Amazon and um, you know, give you a chance to understand some of the some of the thinking that I have on on building your brand, elevating your profile, forming partnerships out in the marketplace, and um, and and how to you know become a, a, a you know kind of a guru entrepreneur in in your industry. Wow! 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 I'm going to grab this book right after this conversation. 
Thank you, Kevin. You know, cool. I find it really interesting. Thank Actually, you. I was speaking Thank with you, a man. friend last night. And so there's me and two other guys between us and our network of uh, like eight other social media influencers. We have around about 25 million uh, followers and we're shining light wow. on, you know, uh, charities and, and uh, people that are making a difference in the world. We're banding together to really do that. And what's cool is like a lot of people are now understanding that if you have an influence online, you can do amazing things in the world. And it was funny, uh, we were talking about key people of influence. And he was saying that some of his friends were getting angry at him because he wasn't following them back, but he realized he was following these like really highly influential people and he chose to follow them over the, his friends. And he said, this happens all the time. Some people get peed off because you know, they're not being followed back by their friends online or connected, but these people are more interested in following these like famous people, or these people that are you know, making a difference in the world in other ways or celebrities or athletes. And so that whole thing of like being a key person of influence is so uh, crucial in this world where there's so much attention on it and, and people are getting distracted by everyday things. So it's like, how do you become a key person of influence? I feel like where there's influence, there's power and you can use it oh, for yeah. good. You can use it for bad. Um, but, but if yeah. you want to be a true leader, you want to step up and represent, you know, your message and what you believe in, you have to become a key person of influence. And so this book, I'm excited to, uh, to read it and then share some Super. advice with the audience. So if anyone's listening right now, get your hands on this book and, uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, I'm going to put up a post on the Facebook page and we'll get everybody talking about it and, and kind of sharing their takeaways as well. I think that'd be great. Well, fantastic. Um, it, it's been a, it's, it's been fun uh, hanging out with you and, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, it's, uh, it's my life, you know, building, uh, building my businesses. I, I think when you become a key person of influence, you end, end up being able to get, you know, if you're launching a new business, you can reach out to the right people. You can, you know, get a little, you know, a little press here and a little story there and it, you know, things that can give you some breakthroughs in, in building your business. And, um, you know, a, a lot of times you got to pay for hardcore advertising to build something, generate leads. But if you can, uh, get yourself out there as a, as a key person, you can, you can actually, uh, you know, do it in, in, in ways that you don't have to write the big check for. So, uh, that's, uh, the, the mastery of, uh, of becoming a, a key person, right? So I, I think anyone listening, hopefully has a desire to do that. And once, once it happens, it's a, it's a, it's a really great feeling to be there. For sure. For sure. It's definitely a, a deal breaker. Yeah, definitely. So Kevin, I always end the interview with this last question. And this question is, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Oh, wow. Okay, good. So let me, uh, let me just think real fast. So I think, let, let me just say this. I, I think, first of all, uh, so I'll, I'll start. I, I don't know if you're going to time me on 30 seconds or whatever, but I want to say that um, I've been uh, a lucky man my whole life, but it isn't just total luck. I've, I've worked to build that luck, right? And, and, and build uh, the, the flow of, of, of things towards me. But I've, I've worked with so many fantastic people, so many brands. But I want my family to continue in that Harrington tradition of innovation and empowering people to be as successful and balanced in their life as they can be. So I, I, I believe that empowerment is what it's all about. And I think I, I live my life by this following quote. And it, it was this was a gentleman named Paul J. Meyer. And, and his quote was, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastic, 
enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. And so I want everybody uh, in the world in my last 30 seconds to understand that you can get whatever you want if you, if you see it and you believe it and you uh, and, and act upon it in an enthusiastic fashion and you believe in yourself that you can get whatever you want, whatever your heart desires.